Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Huzair Sulaiman is celebrated for his powerful plays that challenge audiences with unblinking looks at personal and social issues. His works have been performed around the world, including in his native Malaysia and in Singapore, where he serves as one of the artistic directors of Checkpoint Theatre. He is currently a World Fellow at Yale University. The program gathers emerging leaders from around the globe for professional and leadership development. This is Colleen Chaddix for the Yale Office of Public Affairs, talking with Mr. Suleiman about his life as an actor, writer, director, and most recently, a student. Checkpoint Theater's literature talks about respecting the intelligence of audiences and challenging them intellectually. Do you think that happens enough today? I think in... in International theater, I think what you're sometimes seeing is a concern with form. Mm -hmm. Uh, And at the outer limits of the avant-garde, you sometimes have this problem where there's a disconnect from the audience so that your average sort of educated uh, person, your typical theater-goer, feels a little bit lost. Mm -hmm. So what I think we try to do at Checkpoint Theater is to bring them back into uh, theater spaces to invigorate the form, certainly with new media, new technology, some of the new ideas of, of staging and lighting, but also to, to, re- to respect our audiences, to realize that they are who we are doing it for. So it sounds like you're going for sort of a middle ground, not not so experimental as to put people off, but you're not doing a revival of a well, musical. Well, middle ground makes it sound a, sound, sound a little depressing. Um, <laughs> no, no I, I'd, I'd like to think that what we're doing is is a style unto itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly uh, recognized as such um, in, in, in our part of the world. Um, and it's, it's about going back to the, the foundations of theater, good writing, good acting, but marrying that to new forms, new technology, new media. Uh, and that's, somebody that, that, that's something that um, few other people are doing, I think. Is there a cultural difference at work? Do you think that that would play in the U.S. the way it does in Asia? What's interesting is that watching theater in the U.S., I think it's far more text-based hmm. uh, than it is um, globally, um, which, you know, you could, the accusation you could level at it is that uh, contemporary American mainstream theaters is somewhat behind mm-hmm. um, the, the avant-garde and the rest of the world. But what I do think you have is that you do have a, a solid core of audiences who come to hear words spoken. Mm-hmm. And I think as a playwright, I'm particularly concerned about the loss of words, uh, how we've gone since the 1960s into you know, visual theater, theater mm-hmm. inspired by dance forms. And it's wonderful in a sense to invigorate the form because you don't always want to have people actors paralyzed from the neck down, essentially just standing on stage and, and delivering their lines. But right. I think there needs to be a return uh, to the idea of words. In America, I, words never went away, which is, which is quite wonderful. You're 34, correct? I am. And you've written 14 plays mm-hmm. in addition to acting, directing, doing other types of writing. What helps you be so prolific? Well, I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know if you'd call that prolific. Uh, oh, uh, give yourself a break. I would. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thank you. Um... Uh, very simple. If you don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> and that's really what it comes down uh-huh. to. Um, and I, but, but what's interesting is that when I was younger, I wrote plays at a, at a, at a, at a greater rate, um, probably because I was unhappy. And then I, I, I met, I met the lady who would become my wife. And, you know, for the last six years, I've been, I've been deliriously happy. And it was interesting because I had to work out how to write when you're not unhappy, mm-hmm. how to write when you are happy. What are the themes um, that, that come to you? And it's been a, a process of turning inward in a way, uh, finding new subjects, new ideas, new forms mm-hmm. even. So I've slowed down, but I'd like to think I've grown up a bit, which is nice. 
How is the writing of a happy man different from the writing of an unhappy man? You get a sort of energy from um, being sort of young, unhappy uh, artist type that mm-hmm. propels you. I don't think if necessarily you could tell, although there are, there are certainly things that are um, angrier, it, of more more protest based in my mm-hmm. in my earlier work. There's still a certain bleakness in some of my new writing, but I think it's um that it's grounded in a in a larger emotionality. There's no there's no grumpiness behind it, or if there, or there's or there's you know if there was rage, it's been tempered to just grumpiness now. Mm-hmm. But you don't have that same. You don't have quite the same need to let things out that you do when you're unhappy. So it's more of a discipline thing when you're happier. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because you could potter along quite happily and not really produce anything right. um, for a while. Then you realize, oh, actually, you know, the, the subjects are slowly building up uh, mm-hmm. inside you. So perhaps it's a more realistic way of working. Mm-hmm. You write when you need to say something. Starting a theater company is a big logistical task. Were you afraid it would drain your energy from your creative work? Well, the way we've done it, it's to try and minimize the logistical uh, nightmare. We are a very lean company. Mm-hmm. There's three joint artistic directors and a, and a general manager who, who serves as our financial director. But unlike some theater companies in Singapore, we don't have a space. We don't have um, an, an office. We don't have employees. So we minimize our overhead. We're not mm-hmm. working in order to pay people's salaries. We're not working in order to pay the electricity bill, uh, for instance. We we come together to do a project that is important to all of us once or at most twice a year. Mm -hmm. So that kind of, we focus on quality. It's sort of a niche approach. Um, There are issues, I suppose, if you want to scale up. And if you do, if we did want to have a big season with four or five plays a year, then we would need to go to this other model of having an office and regular fundraising uh, and that sort of thing with the more corporatized model of, of theater companies that you see um, around the world. But at the moment, it's almost like a hardy band of, of, of artists. And do you see yourself making that transition, though, to be I think more event- of an established institution down the road? Um, eventually, we'll need to mm-hmm. um, because there's the brand name that's there. But as, as you know, as, a, as an organization, you need to grow to tackle certain kinds of things. Touring, for example, mm-hmm. if you want to do international tours, and we are on the cusp of that in the sense that there's been a lot of uh, interest in our work from festivals and theaters uh, around the world, you do need to have people in your back office taking care of those sorts of things. What was the motivation to start the company in the first place? As a writer, you need a vehicle for your work. It's always terrible to be a playwright on the outside knocking on the door and saying, please, will you do my play? Mm -hmm. Please, will you do my play? Uh, And we're now in a position where we we have writers coming to us um, with that sort of thing. And it's terrible on both sides because you, you're barely, you know, have got enough time and money to do your own work. Uh, but for someone on the outside, it, it's difficult. And it, it's fortunate that, in a sense, we're all very multidisciplinary. I mean, I'm a, I'm an actor, director, as well as, as well mm-hmm. as a writer. And um, you know, Claire Wong, who's another, uh, who's my wife, as well as another joint artistic director. She's an actress and a director, and increasingly a writer. Casey Lim is a. a director mostly but also an actor and a video designer so you know everyone wants to do different things Mm -hmm. and is able to do different things so it makes sense to leverage on them you you said that part of the motivation was to get your plays produced you already had quite a reputation when you started the company but Uh, it was still a struggle uh, no, I mean, in, in the sense that I, I've, I have had my plays produced by by other companies but it's sometimes it's a lot easier to 
just be able to to do it without having mm-hmm. to ask someone else to do it. Uh, in Malaysia, I had my own theatre company too. I started a straight theatre company in 1996 at the age of 23, and many of my first plays were directed by me mm-hmm. uh, and produced by me. Um, so that really helped. I mean, you learn by doing. So I don't think I would have acquired some of the the technical grasp that I have, which I still admit is somewhat shaky, if I hadn't had the chance to to, to get things on. And do you prefer to direct your own work? Uh, in the absence of another qualified or interesting director, then yes, I'm always happy to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm always happy to work with people who I think are inspiring, who could bring something to my text. So for a few years, I did do that. But I came back recently to directing my own work. And it's been very rewarding because there's all sorts of you know, aesthetic decisions that you can make that are outside what goes onto the page that mm-hmm. are very enjoyable to make. Do you direct other playwrights' work? I haven't for a long time, more, ha- than, a, more than a decade. It's, by, but, but it's by something choice? I've been, yeah, I, I think because the thing that drives me first is the writing that I mm-hmm. want to do. You also teach playwriting at two different universities. I do. Looking at your students, what can you predict about the future of theater? I think if you look in, in Singapore, um, what is nice for me is someone who is in favor of words and bringing words back to being central in theater. We're seeing that now in mm-hmm. students. And it's everything from a very, uh, you know, depending on the, their socioeconomic background and their interests, it's everything from a very literate, highfalutin style of language to an extremely uh, slangy, uh, man of the people mm-hmm. um, type of way of, of, of looking at language. But it's it's very very vibrant, and that gives me a tremendous amount of hope for the next generation of writers. And are there enough opportunities for them out there to see their work produced? There never are. Mm-hmm. There never are, you know, I, I have to say. But um, what I tell my students is form your own group. Start your own company. Don't go around waiting for people to put your work on. Just get it on yourself. You know, one thing that occurs to me is um, choosing theater, because theater is perhaps the most difficult genre in which to see it to have your work see the light of day um what made you go that route as opposed to being a novelist uh, i might still be a novelist <laughs> one of the things i've been thinking ab- about during my time at yale is is uh, a novel that i might write but the- theater is something in your blood i mean either you you want to do it or you don't i've always done it i i, I did some productions when i was a little kid um community theater in kuala lumpur i did a lot of theater in school and mm-hmm. at university. And so just going into it professionally seemed uh, something that if I didn't do, I would be profoundly unhappy for the rest of my life. What do you love about theater? What draws you to it? The immediacy, the connection, the live connection with 100, 200, 1,000 people sitting in a room, and you are making something fresh in front of their eyes. A film or a novel will reach many more people, potentially, mm-hmm. but you lose that sense of communion I think it's the, you know, in an increasingly secular age, it's the closest that we have to a a joint ritual that everyone can partake in. And different with every performance, at least a bit. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And it is that liveness, it's that variation, the potential for brilliance one night and blandness another that makes it so special. A lot of the world fellows tend to be policymakers and folks from advocacy groups. Tell me what you're getting out of it as an artist. As an artist, you have to know about everything. I, I said on my, my introductory speech, uh, during my introductory speech, I feel like I'm one of the few generalists left in an age of, of specialization. Mm-hmm. But as a writer, everything 
uh, is material. Right. Um, and as an actor or a, a, a director, you j- the more you know about the broader world, the more plugged in you are into humanity and all its diversity, and you can, and and the greater detail you can bring to your representations on stage. So I, I think it's fantastically important, uh, and it's been really invigorating for me to be part of uh, of these discussions um, on on everything from you know gender to corruption to governance, uh, everything in between. Um, it also informs my work in a way as a newspaper columnist because I write a fortnightly column for The Star, which is uh, Malaysia's highest circulation uh, English language uh, daily. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I cover very, very diverse, in, in, uh, diverse subjects in that column. So it's, it's great to be exposed to a, a wide variety of, of opinions and ideas. And tell me, tell me what your best material is from the past few months. What, what, what thoughts, what ideas do you see translate into your work? Well, I, I, I wrote a column on um, American human rights exceptionalism, which was something that we talked about in uh, our seminars, the idea that the United States is somehow exempt or, or sets itself apart from international mm-hmm. treaties, even as it promotes human rights around the world. And I think for people outside the United States, it's very difficult to understand their point of view. So rather than just dismiss it as hypocrisy, what was rather interesting uh, for me was to learn, at least on an academic front, what are some of the justifications and arguments for, for this sort of American stance. Uh, so that was nice to be able to share that. Mm-hmm. And that's a perspective you never could have really gotten outside the United States, I don't imagine. No, because I mean, I think it's it's very it's all very well and good to be critical of U.S. foreign policy, but mm-hmm. it's better to have an informed criticism to understand why uh, the U.S. government or previous administrations even have been taking the positions that they have. Now your fellowship is wrapping up next month. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> it's coming all too quickly to a close. What's next when you go home? Uh, I I resume teaching at the National University of Singapore. I've got two classes. Um, Introduction to playwriting and advanced playwriting, uh, which is kind of nice. It's bizarre to me how one goes from introduction to advanced right away, <laughs> but never mind. You and, must be uh, a very effective teacher. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't say that. But um, I'm writing a couple of plays myself, one which will be on in, in August in the Singapore Theatre Festival and uh, one for a later date. Thank you. We've been talking with playwright Huzair Sulaiman, currently a World Fellow at Yale. For more information, visit Yale. Dot edu slash worldfellows.